evening, everyone, and welcome to SoFlo Sports, the Marlins HQ podcast, episode three. I am your host, Ryan Schlesinger, and today we have some recapping to do because the Miami Marlins lost the first game of a three-game set in Chicago, the south side of Chicago, to be specific, against the White Sox at Guaranteed Rate Field, and they lose it by a final score of 2-1. to one. Liam Hendricks gets credit for the win, although Dylan Cease was the starter for the White Sox. And Cease pitched a great game, six innings, one earned run for Dylan Cease, but he didn't get much run support until the White Sox walked it off, which is why Hendricks got credit for the win. But I think part of the reason why Dylan Cease was so lights out tonight uh, was because the Marlins have barely seen him in their career. Cease has never faced Birdie, Cooper, De La Cruz, Fortes, Hampson, Segura, and Sanchez. Uh, so, you know, that seems to be a big advantage. It, c- it could be an advantage for the batters, too, because Cease has never seen the batters. Uh, but usually, when there's a situation like that, when there's not much career experience... It's usually uh, the pitcher who gets the advantage there, and that seemed to be the case tonight because Cease only allowed four hits, and that one run that he allowed was to Joey Wendell. And Wendell launched one out. It was barely over the wall, though. It just carried. It could have been a fly out. I think it would have been a fly out if it stayed in because the right fielder was going back on it. I would be surprised if it was a double. But... It just carried over in that short porch over in right field, and it would be a homer in 16 of 30 ballparks, according to StatCast, and that includes Lone Depot Park. So just over half of the Major League ballparks, you know, um, kind of a lucky home run for Joey Wendell, considering those stats, and it was under... 100 miles per hour, too, which makes it even more weird. But, you know, Wendell doesn't have much pop. It's only his first home run of the season. 351 feet and 97.1 miles per hour off the bat. Just made it over the wall in right field, which is the shortest part of the park. It wasn't directly down the right field line. It wasn't like it barely stayed fair, but it wasn't near right center. It was just kind of near the uh, heart of right field, if you want to call it that way, just the perfect spot of what you could would consider right field, but not exactly right down the foul line, if I could explain it uh, that way, if it makes any sense. But uh, yeah, Liam Hendricks gets the credit for the win. He is now 2-0 and in his career. Uh, I mean, sorry, 2-0 and this season after returning from cancer, Hodgkin's lymphoma. I just wanted to take a moment on this podcast to recognize Liam Hendricks because he is a true hero to fight back from cancer. He worked really hard, so respect to him, and he pitched a perfect inning uh, tonight. Gave him no hits, no walks, no strikeouts, though, but just pitched a contact and recorded three outs. His ERA now at 5.40, but he hasn't really pitched that much this year, so that's pretty irrelevant. He just came back about a week ago from the injured list after a long-awaited return. But uh, anyways, congrats to him. Anyways, you know, you got to talk about Yuri Perez because he was still lights out tonight. It was a Marlins loss. It was a Marlins walk-off loss. I'm surprised I didn't mention that uh, before, but 
Marlins got walked off on by Luis Robert. And it was just a ground ball down the third baseline. Didn't stay fair by much, but he got it to stay fair. It was smoked. And that walked it off for the Chicago White Sox off floor after they intentionally walked. Well, Tim Anderson got on as a leadoff single. And then uh, he got to second. So then they decided that they would intentionally walk Ben Intendi. Actually, no, no, no. It was Elvis Andrews. Sorry, Elvis Andrews got on with the leadoff single. And then Anderson got on as well. No, I'm missing something here. Oh, yeah, Anderson struck out. Okay, my bad. It was Elvis Andrews who got on. Then Anderson struck out. Andrews got to second. They intentionally walked Ben Intendi uh, to put first and second because the only runner that mattered was the runner on second. He wasn't going anywhere. He can't just go back to first base. Uh, so then they ha- they were first and second, and then Robert knocked in Andrews to win it for the Chicago White Sox. But, yeah, Yuri was really great. He's now the youngest pitcher. He didn't record a win, but going into this game, he he was uh, had three wins, and he is the youngest pitcher to record three or more wins in his first five starts since Rick Weiss, a guy who most people probably haven't heard of, but he did it back in 1964. And I also predicted Yuri Perez to go five innings and give up one run on my Twitter and I was spawn on with that. I predicted the Marlins to win 6-2, to two, as you can see on here. I'll pull up the screenshot of my tweet here. Yeah, I predicted the Marlins to win 6-2. I was way off on that. Although, although I did predict the White Sox to score two runs, just uh, in a losing fashion. And I was spot on. Yuri going five innings tonight, just like I said. And he gives up a run. and specify on if it would be a home run or not. I should have because I was expecting a home run. Yuri's... Uh, most of the runs that Yuri's given up this season have been home runs. He's been good at escaping jams. He's given up a lot of solo shots. He gave up two solo shots against the Reds. Uh, those are the, probably the most significant ones that I can remember, the two solo shots in the game that I was at in his Major League debut. I said Arise would pick up two hits. I was not too off on that. He goes one for four tonight, and Arise... Gets his batting average down to 400. It was 403. It's crazy how he gets one hit and his batting average still goes down. But that's how good Luis Arise is. He is he's unbelievable. It's completely unbelievable. Could have been another two-hit night, but he can't have a two-hit game every game. It's Nobody does that, not even Luis Arise. He's still human, but one hit still very good from Luis Arise. Of course, it was a single as most people would expect, his OPS at 940. This guy's unbelievable. If this guy hits 400 or even anywhere near 400, this guy hits over 390, you have to give him MVP. I don't care that he can't hit for power. you got to give Luis Arise MVP. It, it would just be unacceptable if Luis Arise does not win the MVP award. That's all I'm going to say. Like He needs to win MVP. And by the way, I also wanted to mention, Sanchez and De La Cruz, they contributed... Again, well, at least I predicted that. Sanchez did not contribute. He goes 0 for 4. Took an ugly swing in this game. But De La Cruz, he goes 1 for 4 with a double. And Sanchez had a chance to knock him in right after he grounded out into a force out. They got Soler out from third to home. And then I think it was either Cooper or Guriel. One of them 
because Gurriel pinch hit. We'll talk about them in just a moment. But one of them popped out to end the inning. And that leads me into the next topic of Garrett Cooper and Yuli Gurriel because uh, Gurriel pinch hit for you, Garrett Cooper in this game after Coop exited the game with a very similar injury to last year. He was going for the ball. He was going for the catch. And then the runner just ran right into him. And I think they're considering it, what do they say, an arm injury? Let me see. I should probably know what it's officially called. But from what I've been hearing, it doesn't seem like he's going to go to the injured list. I'm sure he'll get evaluated a little bit. But uh, they're calling it just an injury scare. He did leave, though. you got to be cautious. The Marlins have been cautious with their players uh, in terms of benching them. Or uh, it, over a minor injury, benching them for a game or two, and or just uh, pulling them over what they think it's probably just going to be a minor injury. But uh, yeah, I would not be surprised if this is just a minor injury. But nobody's really talking about it on Twitter, so I don't know what's up with him. They're saying it's a left arm injury. He originally stayed in the game, then he left. That's what I find interesting as well. Uh, Alex Ferrer on Twitter, though, he made a take. He said, i rather watch Avisail Garcia over Garrett Cooper, and I'm not even remotely kidding. Both of them, they play like old men, I feel like, and this is nothing against them personally. They're still decent ball players. Garrett Cooper's not a bad player. He's having a down year, but he was good last year. He made the all-star team last year. A lot of people forget that. He was an injury replacement. But he still got into the All-Star game last year because he was hitting, I think, at the time of the All-Star break, he was hitting just below 300, and then he slumped heavily in the second half. And he's kind of carried over the slump a little bit into this season. He's only hitting 227. Uh, And, you know, maybe Garrett Cooper just completely peaked back uh, in the first half of 2022, and now he's done. But uh, still a solid ball player, and Avi Garcia, too. I feel like he's just kind of getting older, and injuries are starting to hit him. But he's still a solid ball player. Cooper's 32. He's aging. I feel like maybe he just had a shorter prime. His prime was from, say, 28 to 31. And now he's kind of getting close to the end of his career, maybe a few more years left, but still made a solid career for himself. And pretty much his whole career with the Marlins, which kind of leads me into the question of how long do the Marlins stick with Garrett Cooper? Do they end up dealing him in kind of a smaller trade package uh, during the deadline, maybe trade him for a decent prospect for a team that needs some first base depth? It could be possible. Not not necessarily a high-profile prospect. It probably won't be a pipeline top-five prospect, but maybe top-15, depending on how good the team's farm system is. But they can at least get a top 30 prospect, maybe two lower-end top 30 prospects from a team uh, for Garrett Cooper. But we'll just have to see what the Marlins are going to do and where they're going to go with Garrett Cooper because Cooper debuted with the Yankees in 2017, and then the Marlins traded Michael King for Garrett Cooper, and Cooper has been with the Marlins since 2018. He's the only guy now who has uh, been on this Marlins team since the old uh, uniforms before they rebranded, other than Sandy Alcantara, who pitched in the Marlins orange uniforms back in 2018. 
But he's Garrett Cooper is only the is the only uh, position player. Uh, but him and Sandy, I believe, yeah, they're the only player now that Pablo's gone. They're both the only players, uh, position player and pitcher. They're the only two who have been with the squad since the orange uniform days. Now that Miggy's been traded, but I guess we'll have to see what the Marlins do with Cooper. But his value is definitely going down because he's so injury prone. He had an IL stint, and then he came back off the IL and missed some days uh, due to it was an inner ear infection that was bothering him. And yeah, Yasmani Grandal hit a home run today, three for four. Yasmani Grandal is from South Florida. Some people are kind of discussing. It's not too hot, but some people are kind of discussing or thinking about the Marlins maybe trading for Grandal. They wouldn't have to give up a lot. Grandal is. Uh, 34. He's closer to 35 than he is uh, to when he turned 34. And he's getting older. He's probably, it's a catcher. He's probably only got one or two years uh, left as a major league player. Marlins really only need to give up one prospect that's not even that great of a prospect to get Grandal. They don't really need that much. Uh, let's see. He's hitting a little above 250 this year now after this game. His Batting average got up to 263. Oh, it actually went up a lot in this game. It was 251 going into today. Now it's 263. He hasn't played a ton, though. That's why. Just over 100. Yeah, he has 171 at-bats. Of course, he hasn't been playing every day for the White Sox. He's not their everyday catcher because of how old he is. But yeah, he, he's from Cuba originally, but he uh, attended the University of Miami, and he's also from Miami Springs High School. Uh, so, Miami native. I would not be surprised if the Marlins pick up Yasmani because a lot of people are also talking about, or at least throwing the name into the air, Salvador Perez. But Salvador Perez getting tra- I mean, he's so true to the Royals, it's like, He's been with that, their organization since 2009. He debuted with the Major League squad back in 2011. He's been with them for well over a decade now. Why would they just randomly trade him now that they're not winning? I think Salvador Perez is a royal for life. And if they were going to trade him, it would have been in 2022. or Sorry, 2021 when he was an all-star. He had 48 home runs that led the league. Or, uh, that hit his, uh, that, that led in, okay, that led the American League, but still, he, uh, he raked in 2021. If they were going to trade him, it would have been during the 2021 offseason when his value was at an all-time high and the Royals knew they weren't really a competitive team. So, why would they just randomly trade him now when he's not even producing that much? I mean, his batting average is still good, but... He's not hitting a ton of homers. He doesn't really add uh, much defensive value. Everyone's always kind of trash-talked him for not being a great defender. So it doesn't really make sense for the Royals to trade Salvi, especially because the Marlins' farm system isn't too great. I I think it's more realistic, if the Royals are going to trade Salvi, it's more realistic for them to trade him to a team not named the Miami Marlins because, I don't know, I just don't see it as a realistic option. For Kimming and the Marlins. That's pretty much all I got to talk about uh, in this podcast episode. Thank you for listening. We're going to wrap it up 
at about the 17-minute mark. But before we wrap this thing up, I just wanted to promote my Substack. Go to Substack.com and search up Ryan Schlesinger. You'll find me. Go subscribe. It's free. Completely free. This is just a hobby right now, so I'm not going to charge anything for you guys to read my beautiful work. Get on my email list for free. And every time I post an article, which is uh, once or twice a week, you'll get them in your inbox. And it's always a good read. Usually about the Marlins, I'll maybe start writing about some NFL and MLB, not just Marlins. But right now, I'm only doing Marlins over on Substack. And go subscribe to me over there. I currently have an article in the works about what the Marlins are going to do when Trevor Rogers returns. Do they run the six-man rotation? Do you put Rogers in the bullpen? Or do you even option Yuri the minors? Uh, there's a lot of mixed opinions about this situation on the Marlins Twitter community. So you can go see what I think and how I look at all three of those options on my article which is coming out probably this weekend, Saturday evening or anytime Sunday. That's all I have for you guys today. Hope everyone has a great day, a great night, from whatever time you're watching this, of course. And let's go Marlins, baby! I'll see you guys on Episode 4 of the Marlins HQ Podcast.